I consider a day that I get to speak with a personal mentor to be a good day. And so I knew that today would be special as I prepared for my conversation with a dear friend and mentor, Fred Keating. A conversation in which we double-clicked on some of Fred's many learnings from a life lived creatively. Transitions are always tough uh, and, and, uh, and, and plateaus uh, between where you are now and where you want to be. They drive people nuts and, and I, I lean a lot on, on that image of a wall. Get under it, get under it, you know, what, you know what, what's in the way is the way. Uh, tunnel around it, climb over it. There's a bunch of ways you can apply yourself to it or you could just knock yourself out trying and and give up. I prefer uh, the image of the Capilano uh, uh, suspension bridge where there is a bridge and there is a destination. You swing a lot on the way across, but you make progress before uh, things start to sway again. So I guess I've, I've moved away from the concrete aspects of, of a brick wall to this uh, this image of, of sway, but still forward movement. When we first sat down to chart a loose course for our conversation, I asked Fred what was on his mind, and in doing so, couldn't have imagined that his response would be that what was on his mind was his mind. Fred shared with me that he had very recently been, in his words, tagging bases with what people refer to as mild cognitive impairment. I uh, I started to become perhaps a little more aware of the fact that yes, you know, uh, 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 something was going on upstairs, and I wasn't as uh, my recall wasn't uh, working as well as I might have have hoped. Fred's mentorship through his willingness to vulnerably share what matters most and to source his creativity, humor, and an open, curious learner's mindset continues to inspire me. Here is our conversation. As I know I said before, and will likely again in this conversation, you, Fred Keating, are a consummate host. And so it's it's with great pleasure that I am able uh, to once again host you in a conversation of this nature. So thank you for being here. You're very welcome. I am referred to more often than I'd like as the massacre of ceremonies. <laughs> Canada's Massacre of Ceremonies. <laughs> you, you take the names wherever and whenever they come. You know, as I was thinking back, I first met you when I was 17 years old and a student at the Drumheller Drama Camp in, in Southern Alberta. Uh, yeah. Now that is the Art Streck intensive, but it is still um, deeply rooted in, in the summer uh, opportunities for 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 growth, for um, awareness, and more than even the skills that it teaches around dramatic arts. It is about gathering a group of young people, many from communities where they they really do feel that they're the unicorns and that nobody understands or sees them. And um, and as you and I know, that, that this particular summer intensive has remained and would, would certainly, beyond 17 years, would remain an, a touchstone as I grew up. And at that point, if I remember, you were a consultant with Alberta Culture, yeah. right? I mean, there was a time when capital C culture was held highly enough by policymakers that it actually had its I, own. I think I was called the senior consultant to the Minister of Culture for Performing Arts Education. I had a business card about eight inches wide. 
And 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 in that position, um, you were able to bring your personal passion for the arts, passion anchored in education, a belief in the power of the arts to provide opportunities for unique and individual creative exploration and expression. Opportunities that, as I think back, may have borne similarities to those of your own youth in Michigan and then here in Canada when you moved north shortly after graduating university. And, you know, as you hear me referring uh, refer to your calling as as thus anchored, um, I'm really curious about what you might say to the young Fred about the life that he was authoring back then. What I would say to the young Fred, who was a, a rather ornery sort, according to most of my relatives, <laughs> uh, I would say, I uh, slow down. The best is yet to come. Don't think, don't take things so seriously. That, uh, that my dad said that to me for decades. Don't take things so seriously. And I didn't think I was. I just, uh, uh, I, I'd been the class clown in most of the classes I was in. But it was very different dichotomy, the, the, the home and family uh, uh, business, as well as the public. Mm. Um, I, I had a more than two faces, I think. I'm a Gemini, but mm. I had been two uh, faces. I had a tendency to adapt ch chameleon-like to, to uh, situations and relationships with my peers or my teachers or my my family. Uh, so I'd say to the, to the, uh, Fred, don't get so worked up about this. Slow mm. down. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's stuff you don't know about yet. There's a, they say there's a plan unfolding for each of us. Let it unfold. Don't go in swinging. Mm. Take Scoot around and scout around. <laughs> yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I have never heard that about you, but <laughs> Were my mother to be listening, and I suspect she will be, um, she would say, well, I recognize that kid in my own kid. She she famously tells the story of of, of coming home from a, uh, a parent-teacher interview, and this would have been in high school, and and saying, I, I, I really had to wonder if the teacher I was talking to was talking about the same kid. <laughs> uh, but chameleon, so chameleon, that... I mean, there's some, you know, sort of DNA uh, there to suggest that there was an actor in the offing. Yes. When and when and how did you begin to to flex those muscles? I well, two big events uh, came to mind. I'll try and make this as quick as possible. The high school I went to was a fairly militaristic uh, Jesuit academy, and everybody had to have two extracurricular activities. And uh, it was mandatory. And so I think I was in, in freshman year. I was on the, uh, no, it wasn't freshman year, it was junior year, third year. I, uh, I, I got booted off the track team. And so, but I was still on the debating team. And this guy that was in my class said, you know, there's a school play auditions uh, today. Um, uh, and I'm going. So would you here's here's this the script i'm supposed to learn would would you read with me you know so i i read with him and and he said you know if you just yeah you know, come on in into the room and 
So I went into the room. There's about two dozen guys, and uh, and they the the priest says, uh, "You here to audition?" I said, "No, no, I'm just here to be, uh, you know, support for Neil, you know, who's auditioning." And so he said, "Well, uh, good. Then here he gave me a copy of the play. He said, here." you read the opposite of all these guys as they read their characters. I want you to <laughs> think so. I thought easy peasy. I was sitting at a desk, you know, so I did it. And, uh, at the uh, end of the session, he said, well, you know, thanks for helping us out next morning. The cast list was posted on a bulletin board and I had the lead role. <laughs> and no friend <laughs> at the end of a, of a, a beautiful relationship. Oh, but in the course of this uh, one act, Eugene O'Neill, where I was an American sailor who'd fallen through a couple of cargo holds and was dying, obviously, um, I remember after the, and it was a festival, I remember after the festival, some kids from my school came up and said, Keating, you're not going to believe this. There's a row of nuns in the in the back row of the auditorium. And when you died, they started crying and blowing their nose and cracking and, and I said, what? And he said, yeah, it was, it was uncanny, you know? And I said, oh, gee, and I'm thinking to myself, what a role reversal. I was used to nuns making me cry, but <laughs> all of a sudden, and I thought, I can remember thinking, what could possibly move these rigid brides of Christ to, to, to yeah. tears, unless they were actually laughing and, but that stuck with me, uh, that what I had said and projected across the the auditorium had been taken so seriously by by these uh, by folks that I would not have normally seen that side of. Mm -hmm. and And after that, it I, I started to uh, I had a the lead role in Tom Jones, which was the the funny seventeenth yeah. century uh, comedy. Uh, I, I started to lend my services out to other high schools and uh, even a, a college or two and was and was having a ball. Uh -huh. uh, and then in 1969, two years after I graduated, I was uh, accepted into a summer repertory company in Detroit doing three big musicals in rep uh, from uh, June through August. The story with that one is uh, I was in my tights in the lobby of the theater <laughs> watching Walter Cronkite tell us about the moon landing. Uh, that was the night that it happened. And wow. every time it seemed like they were going to get close, some usher would open the door and say, okay, come out in the lobby. And the whole audience would get up and we'd go out in the lobby and look at this little black and white television set about the size of my computer screen now, wow. which had put up on a shelf out there. And and watch this this talk about a showstopper. Watch yeah, yeah. History being made in front of you, and then trying to go back in and pick up from where you left <laughs> off. And, <laughs> and I was getting fifty bucks a a, a, a week, I think, and uh, board at the at the, a university dormitory nearby. And I thought, well, I'm a working actor, you know. Yeah. So yeah. Tell me about crossing the border. What brought you to Canada? What kept you here? You know Tom Peacock as well as I, I think I, almost anybody. Tom Peacock brought me to Canada. I had a my wandering minstrel year. I had put together 
a number of little shows for various levels of education. Uh, a friend of mine, a visiting professor, had said, if you ever come to England, you can use my house as a mail drop and uh, uh, and make yourself at home and and uh, do what you need to do when, when the job calls. So I had a show that was for elementary school children, 30, 30 minutes. The show was called Country Cousins, and mm-hmm. it was all based on folk songs and stories that were all based on old folk songs and stories from the British Isles, Scotland, England, and Ireland. Um, I didn't know much about Wales at the time. And then I had one for high school students that was 45 minutes to fill a period. And then I had, a, a, at the time in England, uh, any town that had a marketplace and a little gazebo in the marketplace had these brown bag lunches. So I had a, a 45 minute show to play in the centers of these towns. And then at uh, night, I uh, had a, uh, an older, in the university student unions, uh, I had a, a show slightly more adult. And uh, basically the, the basis of the show was, you, you know half of this. You'll know the music, but you won't have heard the lyrics that North Americans imposed on your music. Um, uh, the, 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 the old folk song, oh, have you? Oh, have you heard of sweet Betsy from Pike, who crossed the wide prairies with her husband Dyke? Well, it was it was medieval, except for it was about the North Americans crossing in wagon trains to open up the West, and so they were always familiar with about half of what I was doing, and so the the show was called Country Cousins, meaning we're not that far apart, and I just happened to be your cousin from over the pond so but that got you to england they got me to england <laughs> how'd tom get a hold of you <laughs> well that was, that's the story i flew back from england after a year there i was with my parents god love them for about three days and i got a call from san francisco uh i had done some television work uh in wtol toledo ohio which was a cbs affiliate and I'd worked for a guy there, did certain holiday festivities, uh, reading poems, hosting choirs, emceeing online uh, on screen. And anyway, so I, instead of the ability to rest and reunite with my family, this guy called for, he was now working in San Francisco as the head of a film department at one of the first independent television stations in the States, KTVU in uh, San Francisco, Channel 2. They had a news crew, and, but they basically ran television episodes and movies from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and so on. Right. And so one, apparently, one of the professors at U of A had gone on sabbatical. So they had uh, an opening and money for a visiting lecturer. And so Tom had talked to uh, Sister Therese Craig, a a woman who I'd worked with in Michigan at her university, putting together plays uh, with children and for children. And uh, uh, she said, well, what are you looking for? And he said, well, the the successful candidate has to have had some professional experience in theater, has to have had some experience teaching at university, which I had as a grad fellow, and 
Thirdly, it has to be familiar with what we call uh, collective creation, uh, building mm. place through uh, uh, improv around particular people, places, animals, or things, right. or historic events. And so she said, well, I can think of one guy, but he's, he, last I heard he was in England. And so, uh, but I, 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 I can get his parents' number for you. And so apparently Tom called my parents. They didn't know where I was at the time. Uh, <laughs> uh, that was because I was still in England. But when I got into San Francisco one day, they paged me in my little editing booth and said, somebody on the line that wants to talk to you. And I said, okay. And I said, uh, uh, good morning. And, uh, and a voice said, are you Fred Keating? You know, and I said, yeah, guilty, guilty as charged. Yes, uh, you are. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to repeat the expletives, but basically you are the bleep, 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 hardest guy to bleep, bleep, bleep. Your parents didn't even bleep and bleep where you are. <laughs> so I can't believe I'm actually talking to you. And I said, and who have I got the pleasure of speaking? <laughs> Tom Peacock. I'm, I run the Department of Drama at University of Alberta. I don't suppose you've ever heard of Alberta. And I said, you know, one of my favorite grade school projects in grade five was a little paper booklet I constructed about Alberta because I knew it had cowboys and cattle and mountains and everything that was appealing to a 12-year-old at the time. And so uh, he said, we got this position. And I had already figured out I was not going to. I didn't want to teach at university anymore. I was a good short-term teacher. Not so good over this 12 to 16 week period, but on weekend workshops and or weekly visitations to uh, schools for a week or so. Sure. And, um, and uh, so I, I didn't make it easy on him. I said, well, you know, tell me about the office. What's the office like? Because I had shared an office with four other teaching advisors about the size in, in, with desks in my uh, a room the size of my dining room. And uh and he said, it's, what are you talking? It's a lovely office. You know, it's on the third floor. It looks out over a beautiful roof. And he said, it's got a, it's got a bathroom and a shower as well, because it, at one time it, a dance instructor had it. And I thought, whoa, I didn't have that in my office. Oh, I said, how many shows do I have to direct? Because at the other university, I had to do three to five over the course of a term. And he said, as many as you want or not. I said, well, what, you know, three, two, three. He said, you pick them, you direct them. We put them on. He was making it harder and harder for me to say. <laughs> I bet he was. And uh, uh, lovely Rosie, who was still over in England, had no idea because I was going to fly her over and show her America. She had no idea that uh, the plan had changed, but it, in fact, was the impetus for, for me uh, acting on my uh, desires to uh, uh, live with this lady for as long as she might have me. Mm. And, so, uh, and she still has you, or should I yeah. reframe yeah. that? You still have her, Fred. <laughs> 48 years. So it was it was the in most incredible convergence of coincidences I think I've, I've, I've ever had. And uh, to let Rosie know what was going on, I had to send her a postcard, which in those days took about two to three weeks to reach an address in England. And on the postcard, it said, um, uh, hi, take the bus down to your cousin's house in whatever the next village was uh, and sit by the phone at 2 p.m. August such and such. And I will call you there uh, because 
her family didn't have a phone. And uh, in, in fact, the only phone I ever saw in the village was the one in the village market. And it normally had a lock. Yeah, I bet. Uh, paying their bills and stuff. So I called her and I said, there's been a change in plans. Um, I think we could be a lot happier in Canada than California. The San Francisco is great place I was living in and the neighborhood I was living in, not so much. I wasn't going to take a, a little village girl from Northern England and put her in, a, in an apartment I could barely afford and then go work for 12 or 14 hours. It wasn't uh, a recipe for success. But God love her. She uh, she uh, she rolled with the punches. She came along. Mm. And uh, <laughs> the 21 years we had in Edmonton uh, was the making of us as individuals and partners and of friends and family mm -hmm. and uh, parents and parents. Yeah, correct. That's yeah. correct. So I, uh, I had great admiration for Tom Peacock and yeah. the poor man. I, but he, he like the Mounties, he found his man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and when he get, when he had his hooks in somebody, <laughs> they really didn't know what they were up against. That's for sure. That's for sure. Really and, and, and aren't all of us who crossed his path, and stayed in the lane for a while, or for as long as we uh, we we were uh, privileged to do so. Uh, blessed for that, you know. It's it's interesting because we were talking a little bit before this conversation, and and the phrase that came, one of the many phrases that came up uh, from you was "nothing is wasted," and it feels like nothing is wasted might be anchored into even that story that you've just shared, which is you know I I I've got my I got my sights on something. But my sights are not the only part of the landscape, and and if I'm able to refocus and reshift and 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 take the opportunities as they come, yeah, I, I just think as our lives unfold, it is it it uh, life itself provides us with with grist for the mill, and uh, I don't want to go all gooey on you, but uh, I'm reminded of that phrase, you know, we're all just here to walk each other home, hmm. and. Uh, uh that's that's always given me pause i think it's a, a lovely thought and yeah. makes use of uh, whatever attributes we have to contribute or pay for in the course of our lives it makes me wonder and no you're not all getting gooey on me i, I think i think that i think if anyone knows you they know the, the generosity of your heart and uh and i'm not sure gooey lives there i think it is it's it's a true it's a true sentiment of yours but i am curious as to you know what? What else do you know now uh, that you? And I, I'm not trying to ask the same question, so it's not a. But I'm coming into what I've just been hearing. You know what? What have you come across as those lessons, even before you knew what the lessons were landing, that now make even more sense? That if somebody were, you know, starting out or in the middle of this path or feeling a wall in front of them, feeling like we often hear, I'm stuck. I just, I'm stuck. And I'm, and I'm a creative person. So stuck is really agony. What, what, what do you know to be true? Transitions are always tough uh, and, and, uh, and, and plateaus uh, between where you are now and where you want to be. And, and, uh, they, they, they drive people nuts, and and I I I lean a lot on on that image of a wall. Get under it. Get under it. You know what? You know what? What's in the way is the way. 
tunnel around it, climb over it. There's a bunch of ways you can apply yourself to it, or you could just knock yourself out trying and and give up. I prefer uh, the image of the uh, uh, Capilano suspension bridge, where there is a bridge and there is a destination. You swing a lot on the way across, especially if somebody's thumping down the other way at you. But but you make make progress. The find times that you got to hold on until the bridge settles down. Then you make a bit of uh, of uh, forward uh, movement before uh, things start to sway again. Um, so I guess I've I've moved away from the concrete aspects of of a brick wall that uh, that you either can or or can't do to this uh, this image of of sway, but but still forward movement and and yeah I don't think I don't think any of our anger or grief or happy circumstances or sad circumstances are are anything other than grist for the mill um uh, they make you who you are they add to you who you are as you as you go from day to day mm-hmm. uh, it's it... <laughs> mm. and there's a there's a sense as well you know it's interesting i'm i'm getting the front end of the of the story of which i know a little of the of of the flip side of your arriving at the u of a as a as a visiting professor, as an assistant professor, whatever the the position title was, um, special lecturer. Oh, okay, special lecturer. <laughs> um, the um, uh, that that contract wasn't for life, as it turned out. It, a window closed on you when you didn't expect that window to close, uh, yep. and and put you into that place where you were just talking about. I can't feel that this is going to be grist for the mill. This is <laughs> this is dire. I'm going to yeah. lose the visa. I'm going to lose the girl. Uh, yeah. So, so what was? What, tell me about that again. So, I had in the two years on contract with the U of A, I had uh, uh, been contracted to do workshops in drama, uh, either special or or generic. Uh, in uh, in very in a lot of communities that had community theater groups or really active high school uh, theater programs. Uh, and uh, I also had a sideline in in uh, stage fighting or fight choreography that uh, was particularly, uh, it was catnip for the adrenaline in the in the guys, the hormones in the sure. guys who want to move but want to get up again. And, and to show them how to do that safely was, uh, was uh, attractive to... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to teachers because it was all based on on safety. Yeah, and choreography, choreography. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I had a great relationship with a, a lady named Alice Polly, who had been in the position that, as it turns out, I inherited. Uh, and she, when I was out of work, I was looking for letters of reference. Uh, and and I was going to audition for the 12 or so professional theaters that were in Edmonton at the time. And so uh, I called into Alice Polly's number and uh, uh, a strange voice answered and said, well, she doesn't work here anymore. Uh, she retired. And I thought, oh, okay, well, there goes that. I said, can I, can I speak to somebody uh, in the, uh, in the, of the consultants there in the drama or theater? 
and then they put me on to Gordon Gordy. Yeah. And uh, so I had never met him, but he was aware of the work I'd done for the department. And so uh, he said, I let a reference. Yeah, man, I can do that for you. Uh, you can come down and pick it up and uh, uh, tomorrow if you want. Said, Great. Went down and he said, here's your letter. And uh, I looked at it. I said, wow, that's that's terrific. Thanks very much. And uh, he said, let me introduce you to the director of the of the department, uh, a fellow named Bob Cook. And so uh, I met Mr. Cook and uh, he, he said, have a seat. And I did. And he said, you're, you're new around here, aren't you? And I said, well, yeah, I've been here. Uh, this is my second year in Alberta. And uh, and he said, uh, have you worked at the summer drama school? And I said, I taught there uh, one summer. And uh, he, he said, uh, well, listen, you've also been on the road and you knew Alice Polly. Tell me honestly what you think of our department. Wow. I, want, I want the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I'm sitting there. Well, I got what I came for, the letter. And I'm thinking, well, how, how honest should I be with this guy? And so I thought, well, he asked for it. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, I think the concept that you built with the summer drama schools and music schools and dance school, it's fantastic. We would never have that where I came from. And uh, so it's it's amazing to me what you do at getting kids young uh, and and involved at a young age and and giving them professional uh, uh, teachers and actual working artists. Uh, that's that's marvelous. Having said that, if I was running the thing, there are probably some folks that might be ready to apply their trade somewhere else. I just think that, you know, if you're asking me what I do, I would I would start to uh, take a look at those who've been there year after year after year after year, and uh, and I look really hard at it. There were some lovely instructors who were, I'm sure, about the age I am now, who had they almost were Edwardian or Victorian and. Mm. Uh, and I, I remember when I was on staff the first time there, I saw uh, uh, two girls with trays of, of, of food, a breakfast and, and tea and stuff like that. And I said, ooh, where'd you get that? Thinking the cafeteria. And they said, well, we're delivering it to, uh, you know, Professor so-and-so. I went, oh, that's that's great service, you know. And and uh, Professor <laughs> so-and-so uh, had this, and she would she had a bell she tinkled for service and then the breakfast would come and and uh, so i visited um her classrooms a couple of times she was very hard of hearing and had very poor sight and so the students had adapted to this by moving back about 12 feet on the floor so they could be seen seen or heard oh <laughs> and so i uh, sat in uh, even uh, behind them on for a couple of classes as a couple of classes rotated through and i thought this is not the product we are promising to deliver mm. this you know it was and it, and it was uh, downright disrespectful to the mm. woman and her experience and her the wisdom that she had to share so uh 
that's me talking to this guy across the desk from me and uh, and made a few suggestions in terms of curriculum, a few suggestions that said, I know the, that the, the program's successful because the kids are exhausted at night. Yeah. Problem is, after lights are out, they get up and they continue to rehearse or practice or work out what they've been doing all day. And the next morning, you have trouble waking them up, getting them to breakfast, a healthy breakfast, and into another 12-hour day. And so uh, there, there must be some way we can streamline that. And that's, and, and that's uh, I said, look at, look at courses in, you know, similar places in England where, where a, a course of study in a, a theater school might be the play for the entire three years that they're at the theater school. And before they think of uh, putting it on or showing it on stage in public. And uh, and this this sort of total immersion in yeah. all aspects of the play and the the theatrical craft categories that would support a successful production. So that's that's where the inkling of of I think restructuring mm -hmm. came, and that may be why they called me the following morning and said we want you to do the job. <laughs> The job interview you didn't know you were in. Yes. Yeah. Or the audition that lost you your friendship with Neil. There, se there seems to be a pattern here. <laughs> well done. <laughs> but I've been, I'm the first to say, Greg, I, I, I think I'm one of the luckiest so-and-sos I know. Yeah. I mean, the, the as I say, the convergence of coincidences uh, in uh, my courtship and, and uh, partnership with Rosie and and my profession, such as it is, my vocation, such as it is, it, it's sometimes I, it's like sitting back and watching the show. It's all reruns now, but but being ex, excited uh, about uh, well, like some I read somewhere that only one out of five individuals gets up on Monday morning eager to go mm. to work, eager to get at what they do and uh and how they earn their bread mm. and i thought i thought, thought that was sad I, I felt you know four or five days of slogging it out a weekend to party your brains out and uh the sunday anxiety because it's monday and we here we go again mm -hmm. one out of one out of five says Monday. Usually Mondays are my productive day because I've had some rest. I'm gonna... mm. I like what I do because I can do what I do until my legs or something else gives out. Mm -hmm. Can I just hold there and scoop back for just a minute? Because I think you have also offered in the way in which you laid that out in, in your acknowledgement of aren't I fortunate that I get up on every day looking forward to what comes my way and what I'm here to offer in, in response and maybe not even in response, you know, offer up front. So the, what's coming to me is mindset. What's coming to me is that, 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 and I have to wonder if you haven't always had this, this optimistic and I will, I'm, I, I'm, I know I, I will, I, I might regret it, but rosy sense of, uh, of, of what the day holds. And I'm, I'm saying this, Fred, to go back to what I heard you say, which is coincidence. 
You know, I I I I, I want to push against the notion of coincidences. Yes, you can look back and say they all look and and appear now to be happenstance and chances, but 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 what if they weren't? What if they are there for for many of us, but our mindset isn't receiving them like the the catcher behind the plate that it's just not open it's not ready for the ball to be thrown can you hold that can you take that as compliment and also definition of what i of what i know in you to be true which is this this ray of of light well yes and 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 thank you uh i wasn't always an optimist i was a ah. I, I was a, a pretty pessimistic youngster and young adult. Uh, it was those uh, chances or opportunities or things I couldn't have dreamt of uh, and that uh, waiting for this, this storm has to be over soon uh, that I think it, it adjusted my, my mindset. Mm. Seneca, uh, old Roman, Roman philosopher and writer uh, who I was in third grade with um, uh, is the guy who said uh, luck is when preparation meets opportunity. That's luck. And yeah, I've, I, I used coincidences because at the time I was never thinking that, uh, that the, uh, this is my lucky day, or this is, uh, uh, or I'm as prepared as I will ever be uh, to meet this opportunity. Mm. Uh, but I have become a glass half full guy as opposed to a glass half empty um, because it suits me, because I have evidence that that's a path either that I've chosen to follow or that's been chosen for me. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, and uh, as I uh, talk about mindsets, uh, I'm uh, I'm in the uh, in the middle, really, and legs going out from under you. Uh, uh, I'm in I'm in the uh, uh, in the beginning stages of. Uh, creating a mindset about uh, what may be happening in my mind. I've, I've been assessed as uh, having a mild cognitive impairment, which uh, for many is is the first step uh, down a stairway or escalator uh, into uh, uh, medium or more. Uh, cognitive impairment. A couple of years ago, it was uh, jokeable in my house uh, about my short-term memory loss, how uh, I couldn't remember what we just talked about last night uh, at the uh, at the dinner table or the plans we'd made for today. Mm. And my my kids would be saying, "No, Dad, no, we 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 decided to go this way, not that way." I mean. Yeah, you were sitting right there when we said it. You know, now Rosie had been saying that for years, but but when it came from the kids and it was like three three against one, I uh, I started to become perhaps a little more aware of the fact that yes, 
you know, uh, 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 I, something was going on upstairs. And I wasn't as, uh, my recall wasn't uh, working as well as I might have, have hoped. And uh, then I started with a few word retrieval uh, issues. I was, I was on the trail this morning with my neighbor and his dogs walking through the forest up in the provincial park nearby. And I was saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to be on with an old friend of mine, well, a young friend of mine, uh, on, on a podcast uh, this morning. And he said, oh, yeah, where, where's it taking place? And I said, well, for me, the dining room table, for him, he's, uh, he's over on uh, uh, Vancouver Island. Oh, he says, whereabouts? And I, I'm going, um, uh, on the east, it's on the east side of the island, great beaches. Uh, I think it starts with a P, you know, and, and he's, he, he's a Tofino, and I'm saying, that doesn't start with a P. Anyway, <laughs> finally got to Parksville. So that kind of stuff has been uh, niggling at me, I guess, for more than I time than I'd care to admit, hmm. although it was getting to be so present that uh, we had to start taking taking care of it. So Rosie, being a teacher, a special education teacher for 30-odd years, is uh, lined me up with a ton of webinars and educational things, both in person and online, to uh, uh, wrap our arms around uh, the education piece. And uh, uh, dealing with a couple of doctors uh, who uh, are, are probing the, <laughs> the depths of my mind, normally a two to three minute, two to three second. <laughs> Stop to think about it. But uh, so so I'm entering this uh, the, the 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 new door and and it's uh, it's interesting doing better than I thought I would at uh, at accepting it. Uh, mm. But then I've got a lot of support in the family and and with uh, the Canadian health system. So the path ahead of me would appear to be uh, somewhat misty. I can't tell. Uh, the speed at which I'm traveling, uh, but I'm packing my bag with all the the notes and vitamins and uh, athletic exercise and hiking mm -hmm. I can to uh, to build up the departments that that I yeah. want to keep working at. So and ukulele, you say you return to the ukulele or return to the music of your youth. That's right. I in that one man. Uh, tour i had in the uk i had an auto harp give it that country twang sound and i had a guitar and that was now some 50 55 years ago mm -hmm. uh so to have something resting on my lap uh new enough to be exciting familiar enough to be familiar uh it's been a it's been a joy so <laughs> every wednesday from 9 15 to 12, 15, three, three hours. We have, I'm in the beginner class, but there's a ton of them. This is at the local senior center. That's wonderful. And don't we rock the room? I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> apparently a couple of years ago, the uh, ukulele club, as they call it, um, uh, took a cruise ship to Hawaii with their ukuleles playing around the pool and at night on the stage and all. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm not, I'm not, I don't think I'm ready for that yet. I love the spunk and the spirit, you know? Yeah. And uh, I watched four elderly folks that have dementia, have been uh, uh, diagnosed with dementia, three gentlemen and a, and a lady. The lady was probably in her 80s, and she had had it for 20 years. Hmm. And she was still with it. Uh, and the three gentlemen uh, ranged from guys who'd worked in trades uh, to a guy who was the vice president of... Uh, uh Costco for Western Canada or something. And they were live and and in their panels and so on and so forth. And there there was the odd word retrieval issue or the odd and they laughed it off. I think, Gino, what you meant to say was, you know, archive, not still alive, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> and they would laugh and 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 they treated their varying uh, states, and the staff stayed right out of it. The panel was, the webinar was delivered by these four individuals who were in the middle of it. And uh, boy, that gave me that gave me a lot of hope. And and so on on days when I'm I may or may not be feeling a little put upon, um, I th I think of it as a as a cold as well, stuffed up mm -hmm. nose. But it's not going to stop me communicating. It's not going to stop me being me. Uh, it's just something like the arthritis in the back or whatever that you got to live with. And it may not get better, but motion is lotion. Keep moving. Keep moving. And uh, you can't stop the arthritis, but you can slow it down. And uh, they tell me uh, that's the same with this dementia and Alzheimer's business. Yeah. Um, and so now it's got me intrigued. Now it's got me interested. Whereas for the first couple of weeks, I was thinking, I can see the black door ahead of me. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's like somebody said, time. Yeah. And, uh, and now having seen these uh, uh, living uh, representatives of positivity, mm -hmm. it gave me a whole other outlook on it so and i'm uh, not hearing it interrupt your your desire to continue to put yourself out there for for your acting work which of course i suspect is is dependent upon uh memory recall but uh yeah. you know but you got more than one take certainly you've picked the right stream in terms <laughs> of uh, right. yeah. yeah i mean that's strict rope in a way i've never done before because uh, again it was on my mind uh uh you know how actors, they get the script, they sort of count their lines to see how many they've got. I count to see how few I have. <laughs> and I've thankfully not had any issues mm -hmm. in the three or four shows I've done. Uh, doesn't make me any less nervous, but it uh, uh, I do find it getting easier. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think, what do they say? The memory is a muscle. You know, I'm working that, that muscle. And, uh, you know, once you've done a few paragraphs a hundred times using all your senses sight sound mobility um yeah we'll see yeah, let's yeah. say sport i can play till i drop pal yeah 
So, well, uh, and and it's interesting because you say, uh, you know, pulling on on that metaphor of memory is a muscle, <clears throat> but we only had those metaphors. I mean, it feels like every twenty four hours there's new advances now in in the neurological uh, understandings of what's yeah. going on, and it sounds yeah, like a huge part of that is just. Well, uh, and you didn't use the word embrace, but you may as well have because you said I wrap my I'm wrapping my arms around it. So you're in you're in the space of of learning about something maybe you didn't know was on your curriculum. It's a whole new chapter, and I'd like to think I'm adjusting about as well as I could at this mm. stage of the game. You know, so uh, yeah, there you have it. But, yeah, but uh, you know, I love those uh, I love those curls in the path. I love looking around the next bend and seeing what's cooking. Yeah. Well, and again, no coincidence, you've got that metaphor because you're a hiker. You're getting up into the hills and in your case, up into the hills of your of your own living. Yep. Yep. I've gone from a little house on the prairie to a little cabin in the woods. I've been doing an awful lot of talking here, Greg. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. I'm, I'm just, I'm ever so pleased to to be here and and maybe maybe you know maybe this is a good time to sort of to to bring that that back in i i had mentioned it off the top you, you know you you have spent you spent a big part of your professional career in the role of host right and yep. i mean hosting all kinds of things award ceremonies panels conferences guest speakers uh jane goodall multiple occasions that concept of uh for me of host is a beautiful metaphor for, for who and how you be in the world. And I, I've, I know I've said it before, but I will never, I, I will never stop saying that you never seem to, to miss an opportunity to shine a light on another. And you did it just there, just now. You were aware maybe I've taken up too much of the conversational time. I mean, no, you, you celebrate, you acknowledge, um, and you see others for who they truly are and, uh, and aspire to be. And your sense of humor, which is uh, so much a part of you from perhaps at the time when you were trying it out as a class clown, as you mentioned, to cracking things. And no doubt, I mean, I can't even imagine the laughter that the circle of ukulele players are now sentenced to by by the beauty of your arrival. Oh, in, yeah. In oh, circle, my, right? oh, <laughs> oh, my ass, as my dad used to say. <laughs> But that that humor is never it's never it's always been framed and couched in self-deprecation to ensure i'm sure there's no meanness in there my friend and and i really i want you to hear that and i'm curious as we are starting to come towards a close here after a life of hosting what is your life hosting in you now you know when i host these large conferences it's an interesting and and i swear i don't think i've been hired by my clients uh, corporations government entities and such uh for any particular skill when things run smoothly i think the reason i've gotten return business from some of the companies and government groups and nonprofit societies that i've worked for for years in some areas uh it's when things go wrong when glitches happen that nobody could have predicted uh that i've been able probably thanks to my improv background or the fact that i've done as many of these hosting jobs as i have uh nobody ends up with egg on their face i i have an ability to stick handle through 
whether they are royal representatives or politicians or nurses, just about any profession, uh, been able to think of something to say or do or sing off key to, until the fire's put out, whatever the, the issue is, with with nobody worried that they that somehow there's been a, a horrible mistake and the show has stopped and all this kind of stuff like that. It's as, it's as close as to stand-up comedy or live theater mm -hmm. as, I, as I have come in some years. And it's also, I feel an obligation to be an advocate on behalf of the client or organizations brought me in to give them happy customers and delegates. Mm -hmm. But I also feel that I'm an advocate uh, for the audience as well, which is why I never do auctions. The odd person will say, hey, do an auction. You know, just auction off these silent items or something. I'll say, I'm I'm not an auctioneer. I said, I, I will say to them, I've just spent an hour and a half cuddling with this audience and we have a real great relationship going and now I'm going to ask them to reach for their wallets, pull out money. And after I've become uh, their new best friend, that ain't going to work. You know, uh, you need a an auctioneer who can vacuum it out and 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 make your nut and move on and put it to good causes but i'm, I'm the audience's side here i gotta i gotta look out for the relationship i've just been building mm. i i can't think of a better way to to spend it spend an evening and i, I tell you poor rosie you know mm. i'm in hotels that that she will never visit when we're on our own dime you know <laughs> <laughs> or Motel 6, but uh, I've, I've been able to visit a lot of great places and meet a lot of great people. That's where I met Jane Goodall. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, what's well, on the for you? Let me just, let me just get into, let me just put your hat on for a second. What's on the cusp for you? Got this podcast going. You've got the consulting and the coaching Stuff changing people's lives, making them help them make the best use of the tools they've already got or are about to acquire. What's what's the future hold for Greg? He said, turning the tables. You know, it's interesting. You said turning the tables, and I turned my head, and out just out that way, I can see some blue sky, and I can see the horizon line with some ocean and some mountains. And and I don't know that that's a coincidence either. That's what it feels like. What's up ahead for me is space some spaciousness to 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 dream into and uh talk about uh, privilege of being in that position i don't forget it a single day i mean uh huge gratitude for the people in my life the family uh, and and what's up ahead what's the next uh, possibility it's a lovely corner of the continent isn't it and i yeah. think if you love where you live you add years to your life uh that's lovely Firm believer in that. yeah yeah. So I think we probably have, have uh, run the table. <laughs> we've, we've run the table. Uh, thanks again for, for uh, being here. I, you and I are going to have to reconnect at least uh, once because I know we did not get a chance to tap into your Irish uncles. And I appreciate that that we might just leave as, a <laughs> as something up there on the horizon. <laughs> When people say you're a funny guy, where do you get that humor? Where do you where do you uh, where do you think of those things that that uh, uh, that made everybody laugh? And 
I say, you know, I've, I've never had an original thought in my life. All I did was sit around the dinner table with my, my dad and my uncles. And they had the great ideas. They had the snappy remarks. They had the uh, only tease the love, only tease the ones you love attitude. Uh, and uh, all I've done is bottle it and sell it. I, I channel my you know, my dad and the two uncles whenever I get on stage. Whenever there's a something happening, I, uh, I'll lapse into again. What would they do? What would they say? Mm -hmm. Well, then I do have a final question for you to bring this to a close. I know I know there are two of your children, but imagine any of the young people, myself included, in that that have looked to you to listen, to learn, to watch, to to take in. What would Fred hope they have bottled by doing so with you? I'll I tell you one thing that I, I thought of uh, some years ago uh, when, when asked a question like this, you know, and I always wanted to be the guy you always wanted to meet. Mm. I was always looking for a, a a mentor or a coach, and I had plenty of good ones. But I always wanted to be for, and now for some of the the, the folks uh, further back along the path than I am. Uh, I always wanted to be the guy you you hoped to meet, who would say, "I think you got a great voice, kid. Uh, I got a radio drama I'm casting. It's tomorrow at CBC." 10 o'clock, you know, you play of this or you play of that. Uh, I think I can help you with that. Of course, I'll do a letter of reference for you. Why wouldn't I? Yeah, you can, you know, not a word of a lie. I can write, you know, uh, that was, a, that was a goal of mine. Those people exist. They come into your life, not as often perhaps as you would like or hope, but, um, but, uh, you know, one, when you see them, mm. you know, so, and at some point, experience, however you describe it, experience is, is about the only thing you have to share with the folks coming up behind you. If Unless you're mm -hmm. a multimillionaire uh, uh, or missionary. And, and mm -hmm. so... That's been a, a mantra of mine. Be the guy you wish you'd met who said, I think you got something in you. You're that guy uh, for a lot of the people you met when you were the supervisor at those, uh, those uh, drama schools. Uh, they looked to you, didn't trust anybody over 30. They looked to guys who had a track record and, uh, and, uh, and so did the guys above you. Mm. Uh, uh, rely on you come to rely on you well and i think that's the beauty that we both share an understanding of mentorship is that it isn't a top down it's a heart out yeah so yes you indeed have been for me and i really appreciate this my mentor uh for your time today Eric, my friend thank it's you really good to see you greg you too
The Ellipses Thinking Podcast is a proud member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network and is produced by Greg and Jordan Dowler-Coltman. The show's theme music has been generously provided by Jordan Hart. And if you're interested in learning more about the ideas behind Ellipses Thinking, please visit dowlercoltman.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Thank you for listening. As a resident of Vancouver Island, I wish to acknowledge that I am a visitor on the traditional lands of the Coast Salish people, including the territories of the Snonoas and Qualicum people. The first peoples have been here for over 10,000 years, their ancestors still here with us in the sky, the land, the ocean, and all of the beings that share this sacred place. As a settler, I gratefully embrace the opportunities for growth as integral to my personal journey of collaboration and reconciliation as I learn and further support the possibilities that lay ahead. I remain committed to practicing my craft in a decolonized space.